Well, it's good to be with you today. Glad to be here. I thought it was very funny. We have a, a remote control for one of our lights that we're installing, and we had been playing around with it, and we pressed a button that it would be sound activated. So whenever, I'm not sure which piano it keyed it off, but one of the pianos keyed it off, and it started changing colors with the music, and that, it cracked me up. <clears throat> Y'all who were singing, you may not have noticed it, but it was still very funny. Um, oh, that's good. <clears throat> well, uh, last week, Pastor Gary uh, led uh, in a conversation and sermon and good news on the love of God, and we'll continue with that today. We'll be in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. And uh, I invite you to stand with me for hearing the word of the Lord. Stand with me and be glad. And so it says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way, God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God's abide, God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. And those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God. You can be seated. Our scripture today reminds us to love, and I, I think we need that reminder. And I'm not sure how you feel about love as a message of the church, but maybe it ought to be our message. At least that's what John's letter seems to say. And maybe love's too vague a word for you. I've heard that before. Well, it's said too often. Maybe you've heard that. Or maybe love's too caught up in romance, or maybe it's too sexualized for you, or maybe 
You've heard it said too much, and now you're suspicious when people say it. Love's one of those sticky words. It's said in one context, and concepts and ideas stick to it so that we have, so that when we say it in another context, well, it might, its meaning might have changed. It might mean something different. This, this is true in the Greek world as well. They had different words for love, and Gary um, usually talks about Greek words, so he might have pointed those, those out last week. There's several different words in the Greek world for love, and they're sticky. But these scriptures from John, they didn't have that issues. See, even though there were multiple words in the Greek world for love, eros and philio or philo, agape was, uh, by and large, an unused word by the Roman world. It was an old word from the Greek world, and now the Romans no longer used it, and so the Christians took it up and gave it new meaning. And now I believe we'd be hard-pressed to find a Christian who wasn't familiar with the word agape or agape. It's tattooed on so many different people. I've seen it all over the place. It's on cups and cars and everywhere. Agape, agape. And maybe, maybe that's become a sticky word, too. Maybe we don't fully agree or understand what it means. We're not necessarily all on the same page about it. But not when John used it. When John first used it, well, it, it had very little depth to it. And, and when John used it and talked about God, it gave it a new life. And see John in Ephesus. It's years after Jesus has ascended into heaven, and Paul had started in Ephesus, and now John was with them. And like so many who were Christians who proclaimed Jesus was Lord, John was forced to leave Jerusalem. And the Christians had dispersed throughout the world, fleeing, if they could, from Roman oppression. And see John writing his letter. I like to think with a little quill and a feather. That's probably not true, but I like to think that. Aging, aging, not old yet, but no longer the young man he was. He's got knobby fingers as he grabs onto this quill, and he, he's probably got this constant slouch from bending over and writing we know he's a writer if you've read the book of Revelation, if you've read the Gospel of John, the letters of John, he's a writer. And as he writes about Agape, this love from beyond, I wonder what comes to his mind. I wonder if, if like me, he likes to write beside a window and look out occasionally to watch the world go by. And I wonder what he would see out that window if he's looking out into the Polemark's fields, watching the field laborers bake in the sun. Or maybe he doesn't live near the field. Maybe he lives near the Agora, and he can hear people shouting and arguing. And so instead of looking out the window, he closes the shutters. And I like to think that on his desk, just like some of us might have, he had a picture what is this picture of? Well, maybe, maybe it's a picture of him and his friends. Jesus and the twelve sat down for dinner. A supper, if you will. And it may not be as elegant as da Vinci's painting, but that rough picture would give him a reminder of the love of Jesus, of who Jesus was, of how committed Jesus was to them and each other and the world. 
And then maybe John smiles over the memory, and he, and he sits down, and now he's going, and he's writing, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Ooh. And by this time in, in John's life, it's likely that some of the po- folks in that picture have died, been killed, persecuted like Jesus, and that's a sad thing. When, our, when we lose our friend, but to lose your friends from hate, that's, that's devastating. And John knows there, there's hate in this world. He's seen it. And now hate, that's a, that's a little less sticky of a word than love. We, we kind of know what that is, hate. It's, you've experienced it. John's experienced it. John knows hate. John knows fear. He, he watched as those who feared the world. The, the world that Jesus would bring, they, they turned on Jesus, beat him, and murdered him on public display. And the empire feared the world that Jesus would bring, and then it, and then it feared the world that his followers would bring. So the empire pursued him in hate as well. An old wise man said, Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Hate is simpler than love. It's clear, and you, and you know it when you see it, and you feel it, and the, and the world is full of it, and it spreads around so easily. And I think the problem is that we aren't quick to realize when we hate someone else. No, 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 no. I love everyone. I don't hate anyone, we say. And yet, well, if you'll allow me, I'd like to share my own definition of hate, what, I, what I've seen hate to be, what I think it might be. I, we're hating, we hate when we wish suffering on another thing or another person. When we wish suffering on another thing or person. Well, I don't do that. I don't hate anyone, we say. And yet, how many did I hear wish suffering on President Trump or his office? And how many do I hear wish suffering on President Biden or his office? No, 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 no. I don't hate. Our world and our hearts are stuffed full of hate. And I know a little about hate. I've been very good at it in the past Still good at it, more good at it than I should be, than I want to be. I've aided other, others, things, and people, and wish they would suffer. And, and what I've discovered in years since is that really there are two kinds of hate. There's an active hate, which I just highlighted. It's that which is wishing suffering on another. But then there's a passive hate. And passive hate's different. When we hate passively, we can almost convince ourselves that we love the one we hate. Passive hate is not actively wishing someone to suffer, but it's passive hate is to ignore the suffering of another thing or person, to look over it, to look aside, to pretend like it's not our problem. And I've been good at this too. Passive hate uh, it still comes from fear and anger, just like active hate, and it 
still ends in suffering. It spreads around just the same. Passive hate is in World War II when a Jew is fleeing for their life, approaching the borders and doors of others only to be unwelcomed and return to their prison camps to die. Passive hate is in 1850 when a black man is trying to get to his family through the Underground Railroad only to be unwelcomed in the northern states and sent back into slavery by the Fugitive Slave Act. Passive hate is in 2021 when someone makes a joke about Asians at a party and everyone laughs. To ignore the suffering of another especially when in a position to relieve that suffering, it's hate. And I've done this, and I'm sad to say I still do it on occasion. And for a while, I gave myself a little excuse with this, as we ought to do, or as we choose to do sometimes as Christians, I gave myself a little excuse. You see, I had gotten really, really good at loving God, at personal piety, at doing daily devotions and prayers and leading Bible studies and studying scripture. Well, I love God, I said to myself. I'm good. I'm, I'm all right. But that's not what the scripture says here. John says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. The scripture from John doesn't say, if you just love Jesus, then you are of God. No, 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 no. The scripture says, those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. Mm. And love is sticky, like I said, and, and sometimes we might disagree on what love is, but God gives us a good example God loves us when we are at our worst. God loves you. God is reaching out to embrace you. God has loved you and will continue to love you. And unlike hate, God's love seeks to relieve suffering. And to love another is to wish them to reach their potential and to support them when they do not. Here's the good news from from the scripture. When all we knew was hate, suffering, and sin, God was reaching out in love to us. Not because of our hate or because of our love for God, but because God's very nature is to love, bless, and save. And God has sent us the Spirit, which brings perfect love. And the Holy Spirit of God is that one which breaks down those barriers that keep us from rightly relating. Those barriers of fear, anger, hate, jealousy, greed, revenge, suspicion. And the Apostle John must have truly been changed by the presence of Christ to write these things down now. To see that much suffering, Jesus' rejection, Christians persecuted and disciples executed and still devote his life to the message of God's love. In God, he says, there is no place for these barriers. 
John writes, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. Let the Holy Spirit come and unbuild these things blocking us from perfect love. These things we've built up, these barriers, fear, anger, hate, jealousy, greed, revenge, suspicion. Let it crumble under the weight of God's glory. For much of my life, I lived with these barriers up full time. And you know how it is with habits. You know how it is. It just kind of goes and it becomes part of your character and your nature. And so this is the way it is. These barriers were taught to me by people who were suffering just like me. I struggle with fear because of the ways that I was hurt by my father who struggled with fear. And I needed to feel safe. And I struggle with jealousy because I worry that my worth and value are determined by my resources. And I struggle with suspicion because I find it difficult to trust the ones closest to me. I struggle with anger because I bottled it up for so long. And I'm worried if I let people see how I really feel, they will reject me. And I struggle and tumble over these feelings. And every time they rise up and the Holy Spirit comes in and and does its work of unbuilding these things, they, here I am over in a little corner building it up again, a little block on top of another, and getting more suspicious and more angry and more hateful. And the Holy Spirit keeps reminding me of the love of God. So much of my life of faith and God has been learning how to unbuild those barriers. The Holy Spirit helps with this. And I believe it's the provenient grace of God that helped me to see there could be a life without those barriers, to to live life without fear, anger, hate, jealousy, greed, revenge. Suspicion is to live a free life indeed. Hmm. And it's things things from, from before that you think you've overcome, something your parents said, something a teacher said whenever you were just learning how to write an essay and they criticize your paper and it just stuck with you. Something a friend said that maybe someone might say is a small thing, but no, it's not a small thing. It shaped your whole life and, you, and you're reminded of it every now and then. These little things and we build up barriers. And so we, we actively hate other people, or, or we passively hate other people, or, or it's ourselves. And we struggle through that. And John, I think, is here to remind us today that there's another path, another way, and, and it's only possible through, through God having loved us first. And I celebrate that this is a journey of grace and discipleship. It's like to think it's, you know, one and done. Okay, we've torn down all these barriers, all these walls, and then now we're good. But, oh, I'm, I'm seeing you. I'm seeing your heads. It's not, it's not always so easy. Oh, I wish it were. But we continue to grow and become more and reach that potential that God 
has longed for us. And one thing that's helped me along the way has been a prayer exercise um, that I value, and, and I'd like to share it with you. So I, um, and, you know, Christians practice meditation as well as part of our history and our heritage and the uh, desert uh, fathers and mothers, if you're unfamiliar with them, it's part of the Christian heritage, and they would often sit and, and contemplate God's grace and meditate on God's mercy. And so this is like that. So I will sit and make myself comfortable, either sitting or lying down. And Wendy and I, we do this together sometimes, and I'll take several deep breaths to kind of calm myself and become aware of my place and how I'm in it. And then I think, think of a person whom I love and who loves me, and I pray that they have peace and happiness and positive experiences. And then I just kind of soak in their love that I think they would be happy to share with me when I think about it. And then after that, I think of a person whom I do not love, <laughs> because there are those people, uh, sadly. And I remind myself that just like me, they deserve and want to be happy and have positive experiences. And that God wants that for them too. And I want to give you a chance to try this experience with me. I know some of you don't like doing this, and that's okay. <laughs> you don't have to participate, but some of you may value it as an exercise, and so I'd like to give you a chance. And so let's do it together, and I'll guide you. So um, if you've not done it before, I'm going to borrow your stool, Blaine, if he's still in here. I'd like to sit. Am I in the light here? Yes? Okay. All right, so um, maybe you like to lie down. That's okay. You can stand and sit out in the aisle or come up front, and that's all right. You can lie down. Some people like to do that. That's all right. But uh, if you're sitting, you want to, you know, sometimes it's you're, you're leaning back and you have your arms and legs crossed. That's position might be somewhat distracting. You want to kind of have your feet planted as if you're grounded. Go ahead and close your eyes. You can have your hands kind of crossed or sitting on your knees or open as if receiving some of God's presence, the Holy Spirit's perfect love in this moment. We're going to take several, four signal breaths, a deep inhale and deep exhale. And on every exhale, just kind of relax and Realize that you have some tension in your back and maybe there's a pain in your shoulder. Maybe you're distracted, just acknowledge it. We're gonna go a deep inhale. And exhale and relax. Deep inhale. Exhale. And fall into your seat. Deep inhale. Let go of your worries this morning as you exhale. Deep inhale. Continue breathing normally. 
bring to your mind a picture of someone you love, or someone who loves you. It could be an animal, it could be a friend or a family member, it could be someone who's transitioned from this life on to beyond and into heaven, and it could be someone who's been a mentor or a teacher along the way, someone who loves you and who you love. When you have that picture in your mind, inhale, and as you inhale, imagine you're inhaling warmth and peace. And as you exhale, imagine you're releasing that grip on anger and hate and suspicion. Inhale that warmth, that love, and exhale. And as you exhale, imagine the Holy Spirit helping you remove those barriers of anger, of greed, of jealousy. Remember that God loves you, that your whoever's come to your mind, they love you. They want you to be happy, to be at peace, and have positive experiences. And then call to mind someone maybe on your left, if you imagine the person still with you on your right or the animal still with you on your right whom you love and who loves you. And now call to mind someone on your left who you do not love. And as they've come to mind, Continue breathing normally and say to yourself, this person, just like me, deserves and wants to be happy, be at peace, and have positive experiences. And this person, just like me, God loves and wants to be happy, be at peace, and have positive experiences. Now, it may be difficult to bring to mind someone who's caused you a deep amount of pain, and that's okay. It may be tough for you to say that at this point, but Maybe someone else who hasn't caused you as much pain or hurt, but might be an acquaintance or someone who you're just not really familiar with.
pray, God, may you bless me, my loved one and my unloved ones, with peace, happiness, and positive experiences. Continue breathing for a little while, and when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Well, I don't know who who came to your mind, but know that you are loved and that you can love, that God loves you, and we can love others. some people in my life where I have to continue to do that exercise with over and over and over again. Um, so just for transparency, um, uh, lately, because we've been uh, suffering loss, and anytime I suffer loss, it reminds me of past loss. Um, lately, I've been reminded of my father, and so my father was killed, and I have to continue to do that exercise and continue to pray that um, this gentleman will be happy and be at peace and have positive experiences. Not because I'm forced to, but I believe it. Um, and I believe that God loves that person. So you may be in a similar situation where you're you're struggling with that, and it may be a repeated thing. That's okay. Um, we continue to go on this journey together. Well, we'll continue to talk about the Holy Spirit and love over the next couple weeks. Um, Pentecost is in a few weeks, and traditionally on Pentecost, we wear red. Um, so if you want to come celebrate and wear red that day, uh, please join us. Um, I think we're still two Sundays away from Pentecost, but uh, don't trust me off the top of my head. You should probably look it up. Uh, Somebody look it up on Google real fast and tell us, or if you know off the top of your head. It's Pentecost the 22nd? Is that right? Is that a Sunday? Somebody help me. I don't have a phone. No one knows? Thanks, 23rd. All right, so we're red on the 23rd. We'll have a great time. It'll be a celebration where we celebrate the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. All right. Uh, Traditionally here at Gainesville First, we will uh, receive a blessing. So how we do this is we'll stand and hold out our hands. Um, And for those of you who don't like um, prayer meditations, we don't normally do this, um, but hope you found it valuable. When we stand and receive a benediction, there's a Hebrew word, and it's yad, Y-A-D, if you're looking at it in English. And yad means hand. Oftentimes, in the Old Testament, hand will be a symbol of God's power. So God raised his hand against the Egyptians, or God held um, 
the Israelites in his hand or um, the Pharaoh raised his hand against the Egyptians all over the, it kind of happens all over the Old Testament. But anyway, it's a symbol for power. So we extend our hands as a symbol that we are releasing our power and receiving God's power. And I think today it's apt to just acknowledge that God's power is love. So um, may the Lord bless you and keep you and may the Lord's face shine upon you all the days of your life. Go in peace and love. Amen.